Hey guys, this is Rob Morgan here. Hey, don't take this away from me. Hey guys, this is Rob and welcome to question number 19. What can a mortician teach me about living? It's my interview with Jim Albinson at his home, the Albin Lodge. Is it the Albin Lodge or the Albinson Lodge? The Albin Lodge. Mm, okay. That's what they call their home. When we were talking about where to uh, meet up, we had to do it at the Albin Lodge. Mm, that's like, awesome. Yeah. That's fun. We are here at a cemetery again. That's our thing now. <laughs> it's the only place we can do it at oh, now. Are you, the one, are you the guy that does that really disrespectful <laughs> cemetery podcast? <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> okay, we're at Lakewood Cemetery. And but, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. I this. mean, it's weird to like pull into a cemetery and be like, wow, it looks like a park in Paris. Look at the architecture and the flowers. It's what really cool. What was the name of the park we walked around in Paris? Mm, I've lost track. But it does remind me where we had ice cream <laughs> yes. out there. Um, oh man, I may remember it. That's going to bug me. Uh, yeah. It does have that vibe. It feels Beautiful. really inviting. Yes. Okay. So here's why we're at Lakewood Cemetery. Because we go to cemeteries now. That's our thing. And have and, Guinness. Yes. Do you want a Guinness? Can you handle it? Yeah. I just. Why do you feel more nervous here? I don't know. I don't think it's disrespectful because of my conversation with Jim. Right. And, and how we're I'll coming at it. Yeah. Let's pull out a Guinness and... Uh, I'll explain why I feel more nervous. Oh, nice pause. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. reason we're here at Lakewood Cemetery is because after last week's interview with Bruce posting that, he emailed me and said, hey, I think that's actually awesome that you did it in that cemetery. And I don't think it's weird at all. Because I think I mentioned that it's kind of weird. Right. It's unconventional. Yeah, it's unconventional sure. that we'd be doing this. But he said, I don't think it's weird at all. He says he loves walking through cemeteries. Um, it's peaceful. He and his wife will walk through them. And so he recommended, he said, hey, if you have a chance, check out Lakewood Cemetery. Uh, it's in South Minneapolis. Why are you getting quiet? Because a car just pulled up, like literally 20 feet from us. I feel ill. Should we set our mics down and look normal? No, this is totally fine. Okay. Where are they going? I'm they're walking away from us. Okay. Oh, they've got flowers. Well, yeah. Oh, and they're picking up like different branches and leaves and stuff like that. Cleaning up a little area. Oh. Okay, so... He said, go check out Lakewood. Mm. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Also, uh, I mean, that's where he and his wife like to walk around. This mm. place is huge. Yeah. Also, Matt Patrick, who I interviewed mm -hmm. a few weeks back, I think got married here in the chapel. So interesting. I love that. So he just recommended checking this out that we'd go for a walk. Uh, and then I was sitting down talking with Jim. Did he also recommend this place? Yeah, he actually recommended it. I can't remember what brought it up. I think he was talking about it. Um, so anyway, he's a mortician, so we're talking, uh, during the conversation, uh, Jim was talking about how he didn't, th he loved the way we did 
the intro mm-hmm. last week because he said that just everything we talked about, he said it sounded, you can tell it was coming from a genuine place of respect. Mm-hmm. We weren't being disrespectful. And this thought of not making cemeteries a creepy place, enjoying and appreciating them for what they stand for, what they are, yeah. uh, a beautiful place of memory Mm-hmm. of the people we've lost anyways i mean you would think like where you are laid to rest i would hope that it would be a beautiful inviting place if you really think about it, why would we want it to be creepy and dark and sad if that's where we will all eventually be laid to rest i would want to be somewhere that's beautiful and inviting and peaceful and this place is beautiful and inviting and peaceful holy cow I know. That is why I felt apprehensive, even though I know, even coming from someone that has been around more death mm-hmm. than anybody else I've met, him saying that he could tell it was coming from a respectful yeah. place. I felt, I felt like I wanted to do, it was only appropriate to do this uh, one here. So I don't think this is going to be the new normal. <laughs> <laughs> you say that now. Every week, a different cemetery around the world. <laughs> so Anyways, weird. I don't know. I just don't, I feel less jokey right now. I'm not, I don't feel like doing a, a the question I was going to ask you today is more of a fun, goofy one, and you tell a hilarious story. But the second we drove in here, it's so, like, the vibe and the atmosphere is so magnificent and respectful. I feel like I want to bring that respect with me into this, if that makes sense. So no jokes? No jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no fun. <laughs> Stop laughing. No jokes. Anyways, I put out... Uh, a video on social media talking about this interview and the theme of this week. I mean, I'm sitting down with a mortician to f- find out what he can teach me about living. And it, it was amazing. And But the theme of the conversation kind of uh, went into talking about loss and what to do after that loss. So naturally, the part of the conversation talks about loss as in life mm-hmm. or death. But that could be the loss of a season of life. Uh, the loss of a career, a place yeah. in life where you're comfortable. When something ends. When something ends that you enjoyed and were comfortable and you appreciated, yeah. what do you do then? That's a good question. Anyway, so I asked if anybody had any thoughts, any experiences. Regarding loss? Yeah. Or, yeah, loss and just what convinced them to buy back in. Anyways, mm-hmm. speaking of super serious, let's play our very serious hotline theme song. Go ahead. Hit it, Hovey. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> I'm queuing it up. <laughs> Welcome back to the best of Dr. Marsha Fieldstone, clinical psychologist and the friend you never had. Sleepless in Seattle. Well, I'm, I'm going to get out of bed every morning, breathe in and out all, all day long. And then after a while, I won't have to remind myself to get out of bed in the morning, breathe in and out. Hello. Hello? Who's there? I'm talking. Hello. Who is this? You know what this is. This is Jason Bourne. Ghostbusters, what do you want? Is this a fake hang-up? It's a fake hang-up. Hi, Rob. My name is Brooke Fitzwater, and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, currently. Um, So my story of loss, this summer I went to Chile for research for 10 weeks, um, and I did marine biology research, and I recently left and came back, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my whole life. Um, because I was finally, because I'm an undergraduate currently, I'm an undergraduate biology student, I was finally doing the research that I wanted to do and what I had been wanting to do for my whole life pretty much, and I had really, really good friends, 
and I was always by the ocean and I was doing what I love and then I had to abruptly leave that and it was so hard for me and it's still been hard because um, it's been a month about since I've been back and um, having to leave somewhere that has become such a part of you and that has influenced who you are as a person and that has changed your whole life, it's really hard to just get up and leave that. And so what I've been doing um, is I have been blogging, and so I'll be able to get my feelings out. And so it helps me to process, but it also helps other people who might be in a similar situation to feel like they're not alone. Um, And I also just kind of use, like, little things that can help me go forward, something to look forward to. It could be as simple as, like, your favorite TV show is coming out soon or this holiday is coming or your favorite season or something. And then I'm supposed to go back. I'll be going back next year. Um, But it feels like it's forever from now. But just keeping that at the forefront of your mind and having something that will help you keep going and realize that you have things wherever you go, regardless of where you are, there's something that you can do that can help pull you and keep you going. So I hope that helps somebody. Great podcast. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Rob. My name is Julia. I'm from Minneapolis. I saw your post on Instagram. And um, uh, thank you for actually sharing that um, about loss and that topic, because uh, that's actually something that's really dear to my heart. Um, I lost a family now. And I am, that was right before I started a internship in hospice. Um, I'm a music therapist now. Woohoo. Um, but before I started that internship, uh, I had that family member pass away. And I remember on that day, um, that I found out she was in an accident. I was actually singing at my church downtown Minneapolis and had to sing through the rest of it and just kind of being in shock for the rest of that week. And, uh, it was beautiful seeing how loss really brings people together. And on that day that she um, was, she made a decision to to um, be taken off of life support. Um, and being surrounded with other family members and friends, and watching her right before they took her down to the OR is something honestly I'll never forget. And it was because of her that I've actually started getting back into writing my own music again. And I was actually. Uh, that same night that she passed away, I was down, like, about a block away from my church. Uh, I think at First Covenant, they had a studio up there. And a friend of mine, we, we already had time reserved in a studio to just start tracking some stuff that I was writing. And I gave him a call, and they go, hey, this is what's happening. And I remember him saying, oh, are you okay? You know, um, we can do this another time. And I go, no, this is something I need to do. So uh, we tracked the first version of one of my songs called Before You Go, and it was um, during that time, I think it was around seven seventeen that she ended up passing, and I remember getting that message and just being so thankful that now she has been such an inspiration, um, and that, that actually carried its way over um, to working in hospice and being so close to someone's final moments. I, I remember a session with this one beautiful uh, elderly lady and just singing next to her some of her favorite songs. Um, and then I got a message and just checked, you know, charts and 20 minutes of me being able to sing with her and sing over her. Um, and just reflecting about how loss has kind of brought clarity and grief is something that's very complex and 
it's been a tough year kind of processing through grief and loss, but it's been really cool to see how that's been impacting upon me as an artist and then um, kind of in my practice as a music therapist of I didn't really understand how much I loved hospice and working in that field. So definitely really, really love this topic that you picked for the podcast. You guys, thanks for calling in. If you want to be a part of the most interactive podcast known in the history of mankind and the long and timeless history of podcasting, call the hotline. The number is 612-584-9330. Or if you have a hard time remembering numbers, Sarah, you can just remember it as... 61-a-jug-wed-0? Yeah, that's a zero. Okay. 61-a-jug-wed-0. I got to stop making that joke because it's not helpful. It's funny one time. Yeah, it was funny last week. Call the hotline. Leave your name, where you're from, uh, how any of these interviews have impacted you. And I'd love, or maybe you can even leave a question for Sarah that we'll maybe use next week. Okay. In this interview, a couple things. We do this at his house and it's fall. It's awesome. We sat outside and you hear, there's a couple noise things that happen. Mm. There's a couple like clunking sounds that I would be, it sounds like someone's almost hitting the microphone or something. And we talk about it in the interview. It's funny. Acorns kept falling on the roof of the house. We were sitting on his patio at a table and there's like an umbrella and they were hitting the umbrella. It's really cozy. I like that. So that's what you're hearing. You're there. Come on. I'm not going to edit that crap out. No. Be be part of the journey, people. The AC unit turns on. Mm. You're just there. Anyways. Classic Lodge. Oh man. I, this is genuinely one of my... Maybe I'm being just too extreme saying this. It's one of my favorite conversations, period, that I've had with you someone. You always say that, though. I know. You said that the other day. Yeah, the other day was great, too. I mean, it really was awesome. Sitting down with Jim, he just, the wisdom that, this conversation went all over the place, and I love it. I feel like we, I'm rambling right now. I don't know. Let's go to the bathroom. Do you really? A little bit, so. Okay. If that up. helps you. Yeah, wrap it up. Oh, yeah. Should I talk about how that girl's the same age as me? No. <laughs> Just because you have to go to the bathroom so bad? I think it's almost too sad. It's one thing like last week when you look at the gravestones of this couple who lived till I think they were like 90, but this girl lived to be 29. That's just sad. That could be you. Same year birth. Yeah, it's crazy. You you walk around a cemetery and you see all these dates, people born in like the 1800s all over the place here. And then right where we sit down, just to the right of us, is Lauren. It says beloved wife, mother, daughter, and she was born the same year I was, 1985, mm. 1985 to 2014. <sighs> Does it make you want to tear up? It, it hits home the thankfulness. I mean, memento mori, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. We talked about that last week. And the quote that Jim said, that if you've got a day, there's something left in life. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that just brings so much hope. You've got today. You never know. You could only have today. We're not guaranteed anything more. So I'm in this weird spot where, uh, as as a practicing mortician, running a family business... I come out of that and I've sold my business and I've worked my profession. I'm still licensed, but I'm not practicing right now. And I may not practice again. So 
<laughs> so now what are the constraints? Yeah. And I... Uh, so then it's I, just normal life. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and how does that... I mean, I'm still the same person, but who is that person? And I've decided that for a while at least, I am going to pursue or allow a creative impulse to come forward a bit. And so uh, rather than push that down or make some ideas wait, I'm trying to explore them. I'm exploring maybe too many, but what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> what, you know, I've got a there, moment. Is there too many? I, yeah, I don't yeah. know if there you is. You have this window. Know. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I need to uh, do some growing up things too. But I do have a, a moment, and I am trying to follow some creative impulses. So yeah. uh, I, I'm doing things that I'm not expert at. I'm an expert mortician. Yeah. And... Uh, and that's been an honor. It's an honor to help people when they need help. So what am I now? Well, I'm. That's not all that I am. Yeah. You know, you, you're a, an expert musician, but you're more than that. You're a curious person, and your um, resume, you know, it would fill out with the adventures of the way you approach life. So, you know, we're trying to write a children's book and have Heather illustrate it. And we have ideas. And then I have an idea for another children's book I've been threatening for 20 years, maybe 25 years, yeah. that Lisa and I are working on together. Is it going to be a thing? It could be. I hope so. Yeah. But we got to do the work. So we're working on that. And I've got an intention to rebrand the appeal of motorcycling through T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I'm, I have some constructive ideas that we're we're working on that and yeah. and does that mean anything and i would really like to uh participate with the good arts collective in bringing uh opportunities for visual artists with constraints to to present yeah and uh and then marita and i have some ideas for some more formal business do we need to do it or not we don't know yet we're we're exploring it. Putting things out into the world and yeah. seeing See what, what sticks. Cats, what sticks, yeah. And that's a little freaky for... I'm a mid-pack baby boomer born right in the middle of the baby boom. And I'm out of phase with the life story of most of my peers hmm. because I've had many things change. And some adversity and some blessing. And I would prefer to think I don't deserve either. But what do you do then with where you are? So we're sitting here in a, you know, kind of in the woods in a wacky house that somebody built for us in yeah. 1980. They just yep. said no. They <laughs> They're building know. it for us. They built this for you. And we're trying oh, to uh, sure. we're trying to um, have a journey and share it. Yeah. Which is, I think, what you're doing yeah. in the best way. I just um, want to commend you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. I hope some. I hope it. I hear the acorns. I know they're acorns falling that. on us. Jeez. And, Hence the plaque right inside your door. Right. I love that. It's our coat of arms. Lisa Albinson oh. did our coat of arms. It's a stylized acorn. I love for that. our house, Alvin Lodge. Marita named it. I, I've never had a house that I named, but oh, yeah. this is a goofy house, so we might as well name it something. Oh, yeah. So we call um, it Alvin Lodge. Alvin Lodge. Yeah. I love it. It's a little lodge like. Okay, I I have so many questions already. Being a professional mortician, yes. I did not even know you can get a degree in mortician science you're talking right, about right like what are some of the things that you have to do as a mortician that you you think the general public wouldn't think of well uh in minnesota there uh are rules and regulations because we love our rules and regulations yeah. here in minnesota and so if you're if you're handling human remains right post-life or, or 
dead human remains, uh, the state expects there to be uh, some quality to that and some safety mm. to it. Okay. Because... Because you don't um, want to hurt someone's dead body. Well, no. <laughs> you don't want that dead body to be an infectious risk for those of us that aren't dead yet. That's that's at the core of the reason why the state has an interest. Never that, never crossed my mind even. That uh-huh. and official record keeping. You know? okay. But uh, there are people working for mortuaries, funeral homes, cremation services that are not morticians, but they can't complete and file death certificates. They can't sign human remains out of locations of death, etc., because there's some accountability. You're, if you don't do things properly, you lose your license. Is sort yeah. of the idea. And there's an insurer issues, there are OSHA issues, there are all these things that come along because when death occurs, there's a different reality for that biological system for that body, and things start to change because that the world that we're living in is very very dynamic and mm. and so um there have been lots of changes in over time with ways that people respond to death culturally and the american way of death is not a homogenized thing the illusion is that it was for a while i don't know if it was or not but um the industry that i was a part of uh is interesting and intends to help people the business plan of the industry is under uh, a lot of pressure because things don't. Um, people make different choices now, and so there there are different mm. challenges to what the industry is, and I don't think anybody really knows where it's going. My yeah. my background, my family is always an alternative to the big guys. Not to say the big guys aren't good, because in our region and area, the large firms have always been quite good. But um, if you're smaller, you can be have a boutique approach, and you can yeah. offer more personalized more, yeah, and, and more direct engagement with the story. Yeah. And to me, every family has a story, every life has a story. It's good to uh, share that. It's good to uh, be encouraged in that when you lose someone. And so, supporting that, helping that, was an honorable thing to do, and is an honorable thing to do. Um, have you? I mean, because thousands of deaths or hundreds of deaths, whatever that would be that you've seen or been a part of something, a job and occupation that a lot of people would naturally look at as kind of like eerie. Yes. Have you, have you always felt comfortable around that comfortable around death? Yes. It's just, but partly it's socialization, you know, and it, it my, my family uh, story is that, you know, my grandparents and my parents uh, in their practice, you know, saw it as a helpful thing. We are helping. Oh, you know, for sure, yeah. And, and we are partnering with uh, spiritual communities and, and cultural ways and such to help people respond to the loss that they've experienced. And most of us have an expectation of living, um, you know, up beyond the life expectancy. A hundred years ago, people on a statistical average died at 60, and now it's 80. And that means that many millennials can expect 90 so we are mortal within that and as we go on in life we have experienced losing people the older we get the more people we lose you know loss can occur anywhere outside of that statistical expectation i say to myself you can't get a day back so take good care of the people you love and and if uh you know, if some tall bass player calls you and says, "Hey, I want to talk to you," 
<laughs> say sure. Say, All right, why not? <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> how bad can it be? Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how bad. That I think life, yeah, ma- yeah. life matters. Yeah. You know, the journey of life. Yeah. I think it's a journey. I think it's a. It's um, uh, is precious. Yeah. And and when people experience loss, the story of the person who we've lost is ended. But the story of that person's influence in our lives continues in a different way and and so as a mortician we can help and we can help people tell those stories or find value in it and uh, that's a you know it's, a, it's it's really a it can be a complex kind of work to do some of the profession has sort of appointed itself made itself yeah. up in terms of helping and that continues to change i yeah. found it to be fascinating and i am grateful for the experience i am obsessed with death lately uh, and this thought of I don't you, the phrase memento mori yeah. of like we're going to die. Sarah and I just did this last week's podcast intro in a cemetery. I know it's awesome. And so we like we like we're trying. She and I have just been thinking ra- lately about that. Of like okay, like death is coming. Like you're not going to get today back. I love that you can't get a do over. People should listen to that podcast. And I I love the um, posture that you had, which was. Uh, you know, we're here in the cemetery. You had wonders about the, the headstone markers and all that. You were respectful, but also engaged. Cemeteries have great value. We They're out of fashion with a lot of people right now because they don't want to spend the money or whatever else. Yeah. But it's worth going. My my late first wife, Anne's marker, has a Winnie the Pooh quote on it. Oh. And, um, you know, I, I never hear from anybody if they've seen it and if it's blessed them or not. There are some people in my extended family wondered well she was a very christian person why'd you put winnie the pooh on there because it's part of her story and our nuclear family story my daughters and my mm-hmm. family dynamic we read out loud all those winnie the pooh stories yes. my grandfather on my mother's side read those to me my mother read them to me blah 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 on it goes there's some little commentary there yeah. and at the end you can leave a little hint that the person was more than just a name on a on the ground, you yes. know, it also says that person is no longer dynamically with us. You know, there's a mm-hmm. mournfulness too, and that should inform us to value the. We, Sarah and I were talking off uh, the microphone, like oh, we don't want to be like disrespectful, but at the same time, like if I if I think about my grave, like I would hope someone would come. I don't think we add that in, but I was like, I was talking about like, man, I would hope someone would have a Guinness. On, the, sure, on, right. on this beautiful right, little right, bench right, right by right, my thing right. and like experience the trees that are around and the yeah. vantage point right. of where my body's at right. even though I'm not there anymore and you don't have to say I, I don't I don't expect you to but if 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 anyone here is cemetery adverse please this fall go visit Lakewood Cemetery go drive anywhere into the cemetery get out of your car and just kind of do a little short walk yeah and just sort of think huh because you're going to see that there are there's evidence of the story before us, and we are in communities that had the benefit from the efforts of those people, and there are ongoing family stories that are connected. Yeah. And it's 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 kind of uh, grounding, I think. Huh. So, and I recommend Lakewood because it's a nonprofit and uh, very responsibly run, and it's a beautiful forest that they take wonderful care of you know it's an arboretum i am just fascinated by this thought of personalization Mm -hmm. like that is this thing like you said with your funeral 
of like how sad that must have made you feel to see someone have an inauthentic funeral for someone. Sometimes people's belief system or family system doesn't allow their honesty. It, it requires, perhaps, or it imposes. Um, it it, impo- it makes demands on the way they tell their story to themselves and to their friends, and I always feel bad about that because um, there's not just one right kind of music, and um, there are many different traditions. And there are many different ways to respond to loss. There's many ways to be to respond, and a lot of ways to do a wedding and be joyful too. So, is there is there like a story of a time that stuck out to you where you felt you're observing this funeral and you're it, you have these feelings that you're talking about right now, where you just don't feel like they're being authentic, or they you feel like they're doing this because they have to? Yeah, I I want to be really careful because I want to respect every person that I serve so I I, yeah, I think of it this way I try not to tell funeral cowboy stories oh you wouldn't believe how gross you know how, or, or. I, I try not to put myself in that position um, well let me phrase it like this to put you in this position because I'm throwing you under the bus with that one no that's fine. I'm, I'm equally curious about can and then instead maybe can you tell does a story come up where you can think of a funeral that was beautifully personalized like the positive yes I'll tell that. you that I'll tell you the most uh <laughs> the most extensive personal funeral that I can remember was, and this is all positive. So there was a guy who uh, grew up in um, a Protestant church, and um, he was an engineer for the Rosemount Company, and he had a life exploration. And so he he grew up in this church, and then as he was an adult, he explored some things, and he ended up having uh finding spiritual meaning with some native american groups but true to his kind of exploration he explored a couple different you know groups (laughs) and so when it came time he died he passed away of cancer he was a you know before retirement age and and i'm i'm saying that because that meant a lot of people came if you want a lot of people at your funeral die young you know or die middle age when you're kind of there if you're fortunate enough to live till you're 90 it'll be a few people Mm -hmm. he had left directions with his ex-wife about how to do this so what we had to put together and we had this at our funeral home there was a unitarian gospel choir which, t- as a Protestant Christian guy, I'm thinking Unitarian Gospel Choir is is a really I didn't know that existed. Yeah, that's so the that's Unitarian Gospel unique. Choir comes, and there was a Unitarian minister who was lovely, and then there was a minister from his his growing up years uh, from the Covenant Church, so First Covenant Covenant Church, mm-hmm. so Covenant pastor, kind of garden variety, midline Protestant group, and there was a Chippewa or Ojibwe drum circle, so you have four singers at the points of the compass and big drum, individual mallets. And there was a Lakota Sioux holy man. And there was a Lakota Sioux, I think, singer and drummer. And there was a Catholic Indian 
or he was a, a, a Catholic priest. It was it was like the poster sure. child for a postmodern funeral. <laughs> but nobody, I think people left, some of these older kind of yes. Swedish covenant people yep. left kind of, they'd never seen anything like it. Just dazed and confused. Yeah, and, and everybody, everybody left with kind of a smile because the gentleman who passed away had this life exploration that was shared for all of us. Yes. You know? Oh, man. And then just you're in this and you are now a part of his exploration mm. and it doesn't make sense to anybody else and and i i think it's an example of a person navigating you know navigating their spiritual questions their whole life so sometimes christian people like me are socialized to say that 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 your christian faith is a settled thing it's a settled truth and you you find it early and you rest in it yep non-dynamic yes i i think our uh, everything that god's created vibrates there isn't anything that stays where you put it and uh, I'm not speaking against the gospel. I just think we've made it too tame and too settled. And uh, it's a, you know, we can really be explorers too. People uh, can show up authentically that way. And this guy was unusual. Yeah. He was exploring, I think, the spiritual life like an engineer would explore, yeah. um, you know, making a better bearing or something. He was really deeply into the exploration. Man, like this thought of. I can, I can so relate to the non-dynamic viewpoint of that, of saying, it's a math test. Here's yeah. all the answers right. to the questions. Here's the answers. You don't have to learn your DeLong division. You don't know how to, you don't know how to, need to know how to get there. But these are the answers, so you might as well just focus yeah. on work or something else because you, you're lucky enough to have yeah. found the answer sheet. Um, um, you know, there's mystery to everything yeah. around us. And if there aren't more things to measure in the physical world, which they're, you know, we keep measuring things and... Yeah. And uh, and benefiting from that, um, the same thing can be, I think, said about our spiritual explorations too. And I am trying, in my own language, not to judge people who were um, expert in the past hmm. because they had the, they were expert in the tools they had. But that's not going to look the same ten years from now or twenty years from now. And I don't want to be obsolete in the engagement of my personal faith exploration. And I'm not going to be done with it. I hope, you know, when, when my time comes, I, I hope that nobody gets up and says, well, you know, he kind of finished his thinking yeah. <laughs> about, uh, you know, 2017. And that was, that was a good run. <laughs> he outlasted that run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I really hope I, uh, I don't last longer than the food runs out. He stockpiled all the spiritual food and then he spent time in the shelter, you know, <laughs> yeah, just kind of hiding away, <laughs> waiting for the rapture bus, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a, yeah, he's been in there since uh, the, the Y2K crisis. Oh, he gosh. never came out. <laughs> if you need answers for everything, I think life is going to drive you crazy. And people, you can see the effect in the, in the climate that we're in of people finding that dissonance and yeah. trying to somehow put things back to rest because dissonance is uncomfortable and they read it as an alarm bell that if if the truth that you have doesn't fit the life that you experience something's wrong in the life it's and they don't go back and read it the truth and i think as a christian guy i think the gospel's really strong and not fragile so it's not like i'm going to hurt the gospel in my explorations I, yeah I, I just don't think that way i feel like i I thought that way for a long time. Uh, and then when I have realized over the past few years of that's not the way it is, mm -hmm. that 
that the, either the gospel is strong enough for that or the fact of the dynamic part of it, that life changes, you ex- but with your experiences, you experience different things, and it's not binary. Yeah. I, there um, you go. Like I now we're it, talking because now because I I that actually was a really and I feel like I'm still in that of like the grieving the loss of that yeah, because I right, feel like it's right. um I, it feels like a death of something yes. that I thought was truth for so long yes. if that makes sense it does make sense um, I'm right there with you the the problem with the binary thinking uh, spiritually or practically is that it hurts people and that should be a real warning sign to us that we, if we are hurting people that's not our purpose and and the certainty that people um, cling to can be uh, damaging you know it, it can empower um, harm and that should be a warning bell to us my daughter Lisa gave me for my birthday a couple years ago two little vials i put them up on my uh, new victorian instagram today and and they have little eyedroppers and they're filled with a fluid it was just water with food coloring i figured that out but (laughs) but they they one has a label that it looks like some kind of a prescriptive label that says certainty and one has a label that says uncertainty and and she was ribbing me because of my thinking about you know how do we take quantum language multiple outcomes and bring it forward into our life. Can it help us escape the punishment of dualism, of, of binary conclusionary stuff? And so certainty and uncertainty, two, two things. And, and I have said since that time, you know, certainty is overrated. And as I get older, I have to keep um, sticking a knife in my own certainty about things because it doesn't serve me well. It, it, it pulls me farther from the journey of life that I'm sharing with people around me. And it, it puts me into a judgment mode or, and something. And so saying that is easy and sounds very high-minded. So then when I'm confronted with friends or people that I know functioning in a dualistic or binary way and being judgmental about that, it's easy for me to pat myself on the shoulder and say, well, I'm free of that because I'm all about, you know, certainty is overrated. I need to love those folks too. And I need to accept their preference in navigating the way they navigate. Yeah. Once in a while, I have these conversations with people saying, you know, I don't think this is working for me. Yeah. It does work. Being binary works for a lot of people. Yeah. And we benefit in our culture from modernism, from the mm-hmm. discovery of things and, and, and the knowledge we have to engineer musical instruments or electronic stuff, you know, all that. But there's more to it than that. There's another, there's more levels and we can manage, perhaps, a, we can have a better conversation if we start to build a different language. Um, I, I have, you know, participated with... Uh, friends and, and people, acquaintances and such in projects like churches where um, that is not shared, you know, that that's kind of a an affront to propositional truth. I don't see it that way, uh, hmm. but some people do. And then, you know, doesn't, doesn't always um, work. <laughs> Which is funny you say the affront to the truth in the sense of like that your exploration or openness to discover that or go in a certain direction without knowing the outcome necessarily right like that would somehow put their their truth in jeopardy people feel that way i i so and i'm a real um 
you know, I'm a real truthy guy. I, I really want to have integrity. I want to not overpromise and underdeliver in my in my business concerns or, or creative things. I want to be legitimate. Blah blah blah. But I have to admit, I don't know where I'm going with certainty. <laughs> and so the choice is: Do you sit? And wait and somehow hope that God, the creator of the universe, is going to grab me by the scruff of the neck. And there, I can tell you stories in my life where I felt like that's what's happened. But I'd rather be in motion. And I'd rather mm -hmm. be... I think people are so fascinating. And I think that there's... there's it's an art... Maybe it's, a, it's appreciation of art that there's so much dynamic creativity to do yeah let's see some more of it you know yeah. i'm a visual thinker so let's yeah. see some more of it or let's hear some more of it or let's play some more of it um let's not just repeat ourselves i had a friend who was a uh, wonderful wonderful conventional church organist right mm -hmm. played really fantastically used to be the accompanist for the box society locally and blah blah okay great guy we had arguments for 40 years in our maybe more in, a, in our, well, 40 years, that'd be right. And um, he lamented one day that there just isn't any more good classical music. Who's going to be the next J.S. Bach? Because he loved Bach. And in a rare moment of insight and wisdom, I said to my friend, there doesn't need to be another J.S. Bach. We have the, we have the best one. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the Beatles question. Who's yeah. going to be the next Beatles? Yeah. That was my, you know, that was my experience in the 70s when people were looking at music and music was turning different directions, you know, who's going to be the next maybe they'll they're going to save music yes. it's going to be the next Beatles. Yeah. We don't need the next Beatles. We had yeah. the Beatles. Had we the still Beatles. got them. You know, there's something <sighs> there's something more and classical co composition is flourishing in film music or yeah. in, in many other ways it's flourishing there's a guy at the guthrie has hired to do original musical soundtrack elements for the romeo and juliet production well they could have gone and i suppose found some music somewhere but instead they've got a guy doing original com compositions for their original mm -hmm. presentation i mean the creative arts are are not eroding they're flourishing yeah. it's a tough business to be in if you're a creative person i get it but man there's stuff going on and i i felt bad for my aging friend who had kind of set a reference point and was comparing everything to a pre-existing reference yeah. point and missing how that same creative dynamic that j.s bach navigated is being navigated in a different way by other people yeah so could, in the 70s you know i thought i was a rocker right when uh -huh. i was in college and stuff and disco was coming, and it was ruining rock and roll. Yeah, it's just ruining it. How bad was disco? Because I went to a college where you couldn't dance, and I dance anyway. I'm still a terrible dancer. <laughs> However, Saturday Night Fever movie comes out, and the Bee Gees and others do this soundtrack. Oh, good Lord, you couldn't escape it, but it was awesome. It's not my music, but it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And Marita, who's much more pop music experienced than I am, um, you know has uh and i tell bruce belgard this too you guys make me like music i don't want to like all the time it's good for me uh -huh. I you know i yeah. like it and i have friends of mine peers of mine oh there's no good new music anymore so really who have you listened to 
Well, I don't listen to new music. Well, then you can't draw a conclusion. Yeah. You morons. Sorry, I don't really mean it. But you can like what you like, yeah. and you can say, I'm shut down. I've closed yep. up shop, and I've got the inventory that I need. Yeah. I don't want to be that. I want to yeah. keep listening to the creative talent that's offering things. It doesn't mean I have to give up anything about what I like. Yeah. Because if left to my own, it's Exile on Main Street, you know, as yeah. one of the top things that I would listen to. Well, that's 1972. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still good, guys. You yeah. know, if you haven't listened to Exile on Main Street, please do. But, um, but it's not the only thing. Man, and that's, I mean, you're, t oh man, everything you're saying right now is just... It's given me so much mental oxygen because, I mean, if you're still going down the band dynamic, like even you two, yeah. for example, they're going to be in town this I know, I'm week. going to. Are you going to Oh, it? yes. Oh, man, I'm, I've, and I'm, Beck is the warm-up band. I've oh, not seen Beck. Yeah. Beck's mother worked for Andy Warhol. Did you know that? <laughs> oh. She worked in the factory for Andy Warhol. What? Beck okay. Hansen. Yeah. I'm dying to man. see him. So I've, I uh, am going to that too. I don't have tickets oh. yet, but I told Sarah I'm mm. going to scalp tickets. I'm sure there's going to be some last Come sit minute. on my lap. Oh, man. Well, don't uh, uh, Marita will sit on my I'll lap. Just, you yeah, take her. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah will sit on my lap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. Okay. Uh, but even the, it's the people that look at you two yeah. and go, oh, man, I liked uh, a Joshua Tree. They don't right. sound like that right. anymore. Right. Well, because they, they're a dynamic <laughs> band and they, they, that's life. And right. It's the people that are frustrated that they don't sound the same as before whatever that is well there's like a, anybody can relate to there's that. the illusion of eminence I, I i heard a um it was pre-podcast but i heard a i heard a discussion on uh, npr years ago where this guy from um like uc berkeley was talking about obsolescence and uh, it, it's where i get my uh, my concern i don't want to be obsolete I know I can't be funky, groovy, and updated all the time, but I don't want to be obsolete in my exploration. So this guy says, you know, when you're eminent at something, you're right at the threshold of obsolescence. And he was a professor in the college. He said, my students are going to kick me out of the textbooks or whatever, you know, whatever passes for a textbook in the next generation. That's how it is. And when you, when you get really eminent at something, you repeat it. And you get good at repeating it. You don't. You lose the exploration, and that's what happens. You stop. You stop exploring. You stop growing, and you become obsolete. Uh, and there's a danger in life to being too identified with certain things, uh, certain era. And uh, I cannot fit into the jeans I wore in high school. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you, I can't. <laughs> I don't care. But people want that edited version of themselves and then serve that almost like a like an idealized self you know like a like an like an idol that's not who we are we are really i think at our best in our exploration engagement with other people real time you know what what do you play what's coming next the things that you do are influenced by things you've heard and things that you've played before mm -hmm. but the things you play next haven't been heard yet you know that's magical to me yeah. How in the heck? The way this even conversation has gone and talk with you, which I love these. That's why it's always so confusing to convince people to sit down with me because I'm like, oh, I don't I know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, but if yeah. people listen to what you've done. They'll understand. They should. Yeah, you uh, guys are, your lovely wife fun. is a wonderful element to the Plus, she says formaldehyde. She says formaldehyde. It's great. It's very oh, yeah, useful stuff. Yeah, it's very useful. <laughs> you can make really good yeah. glue out of it. <laughs> Man, you, as an, an expert of formaldehyde, yeah, well. I would have never, I've never thought of that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 
so so for people wondering what morticians do with formaldehyde, they suspend it in water and use it to fix protein. So in our bodies are made out of protein and water and such. So formaldehyde isn't naturally a liquid. No, it's a gas. And so you can suspend it in water and you can then if if you introduce it to uh, organic material, it changes protein bonds, which are like this, to covalent bonds. And now the protein is bonded up. Um, it's it's called fixing, and it's like uh, applying heat to things, and you get a firmness. You get yeah. a, you know, I don't want to go there too graphically, but so formaldehyde is useful because it delays decomposition and kills bacteria. Yeah, and it and it it's it's able. Years ago, people figured out that it's safer to use than mercury and um, arsenic compounds. <laughs> Who would which, have thought? Which were used <laughs> originally yeah. for embalming, you know. So yeah. So this is a random. No, this is a random off. How is formaldehyde like imparted onto a body? Is it like suspended in water in a water-based solution? And then is it put through and veins? And it's put uh, in the veins? arteries. In arteries, you go through the arterial system, and so uh, morticians have a very good, um, should have a very good map of the way the body's arteries are presented in what goes what direction because you want to circulate material that prevents the body from dehydrating and also uh, uh, removes bacterial presence which uh, begins multiplying right away upon death our immune system is magic and so when you don't have a functional immune system you get other things um, you know moving along so formaldehyde is one of the tools that allows for more time to go by before the remains are are interred or cremated because it and starts happening quick yeah it does it depends on the temperature and the you know pe- people that pass away aren't dying because they're necessarily in the peak of health and they may have had a long story of disease or other kinds of things so morticians protect the back to morticians protecting yeah. public health uh, if there's going to be public contact with the deceased, you don't want there to be infectious risk. So mm-hmm. you need to do things to a standard so that the infectious risk is removed. And that's what embalming is about. And these days, people uh, sometimes don't understand embalming um, or choose not to have embalming done. That's everybody's choice. Just a matter of style. Yeah. Style and schedule, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, and so... Uh, plus, Can you still not be embalmed but have an open casket? Is that, no, it, it's kind of goes uh, well hand within hand. a certain within I think seventy two hours you can have, but not public viewing because we just yeah. don't want, we just don't know. We 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 honestly, when death occurs, we don't know what's going on. Yeah, and uh, morticians have to be careful because we don't know what infectious risk is present. There was when the AIDS crisis hit. People were, morticians were worried about how to protect themselves from catching AIDS, yeah. right? And what do you do catching AIDS, right? Yeah. And, and the truth is just universal precautions are what we do. Being professional is what we do. Um, and, um, and then you go on with whatever social ritual you want to do. People that are uh, practicing mortuary yeah. science and taking care of those remains are uh, being careful yeah. and being respectful on purpose yeah. because there's risk. I, nobody wants to know that their grandma or grandpa poses inve- you know, infectious risk, so we don't, in our practice, talk that way. We just use good process. Yeah. And I think it's like anything else. If you go to record, there's certain things that you probably always do in setups that you do because you need to capture that result. Yeah. And if you just kind of wing it, it may, it's not going to work. Yeah. So that's what we do. <sighs> okay. I have a hard time with making... I don't want to, like, read too deeply into things and make something of where something isn't. Mm. 
but every I cannot help with this whole conversation with you. Everything you're saying about life and death, mm-hmm. when it comes to funerals, it all is cross pollinating in my mind to light the seasons of life. Yeah. The season, what I've known to be truth for so long, doesn't fit my current state of life. The career. This career change is now dying to me. Mm. Like, how do I grieve that mm. properly and move mm. on or figure out the next thing? Yeah. Um, so I just find that interesting. Like, yeah, it is. Like, it's this, inescapable. It's, there's a lot of wisdom in that thinking. Because I feel like you speaks to me anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean, just I'm just thinking of your play. I t- I resonate with your. You're in this place. That's a few, a couple years past mine where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm in this, this. So what do I do now? How do I like? I'm in the Codger era. Oh, the Codger era. But my, I'm the same, like November hit. I talked about this where I've done music for a while and what's worked, everything you're saying about like, I focused on, okay, this is what people like. This is what people are hiring. So I'm going to be the best version of them. Instead of being like you're saying earlier, the first version of myself, something that would, I'm trying to emulate something that's worked for so long and being them how they were isn't even going to work for them in and the future. And that is my life right now, my and struggle. And that's your thing. I'm Who in, the heck? <laughs> yeah. Know, or what the heck? What is, how can I contribute something of value? Yeah. How can I be original? Yeah. How can I be... You know, how can I be my next self, my next best self? Yeah. And oh, it's a yes. discovery. I don't know. Yes. And and I'm there's things I'm doing that might they're certainly fun, but they may not monetize. Well, is you know, so what do I do about that? And uh at this point, my my dialogue with my creator is <laughs> well <laughs> I'm on an exploration a creative exploration I'm going to I'm going to follow my creative whimsy oh. or or impulses for a while and I'm going to feed those things and I've got to uh, do some grown up things too but that's what I'm going to do yeah. and I believe it's a great gift for me to be in this weird circumstance that I'm in and uh I don't know I don't know about the conclusion of it. I think the exploration is worth it. And I'm just banking on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's Cuz it's um, all you have. Yeah. Oh. I mean the reason we're sitting here at this podcast is literally the same thing you're talking yeah. about of like this thought of what I've done in the past musically that's mm. I mean I mean gotten me by sure. in life does not work anymore. What's next? And the only thing is just I I got to try this thing and uh, see what sticks because I'm in the same and I, uh, maybe that's it maybe that's life you just got to try things and see what sticks or well you're a creative person and, right. and I, I would I'm an aspiring creative person okay yeah I'm, a, I'm not an aspiring creative spokesperson but I'm I am I'm <laughs> intending to to sort of uh, resurrect you know some create creative to feed some creative impulses yeah and it's not to me it's not about uh, succeeding with anything other than just that exploration yeah. because if i go and think of it differently i'm going to be i my personality be in trouble so i'm just not doing it i don't know if things that i explore will connect with other people mm. they're still valuable to me and if i end up in a in a couple years um going back to my profession which i'm still licensed in or doing something tangential fine in the meantime yeah uh, let's see 
and who knows even if that even if you come back around i can't see you being the same person after these experiences yeah, and you i feel like that would impact your approach even right. if you technically go back into the same thing this would impact that i mean i have to believe that because i'm believing that for myself and whatever yeah, i yeah. go oh, to I, I just have to believe that there's a there's a question you know is is faith what you know or what you don't know i think it's what you don't know and I think that, uh, you know, the voice of our creative creator is in our hearts and following that voice in the exercise of the creativity limited or expansive that we're given is, um, is hard to put a number on it. So because we don't put a number on it, sometimes we over, we undervalue, not everything has a number. Yeah. Uh, we got to pay our bills and we got to somehow navigate these things you know in in our the way that we exchange value abstractly but there's a bigger there's a bigger thing and sometimes these uh experiments or explorations that any of us go on become the next moment that informs the turn in our journey you know it it turns Mm. i had to decide i don't want to it's not a mournful thing so hopefully it's not read this way but after my wife died married 30 years Big life. Uh, I had to decide, honestly, is that it for me? And I, I don't mean like depressive, suicidal. I'm not wired that way. And my my heartfelt uh, empathy and sympathy for people that struggle that direction. Um, but is that is that is my life kind of complete? My kids are done with college. I've got this profession requires everything I got. I got some ex- you know external things pushing down on me. I can navigate that what's left of me Mm. and I decided I really overtly decided as I considered that spiritually and practically I needed to engage people I needed to not just uh, say okay that's here's my limit and uh, I've got a a fast car and I can go on a trip by myself or I've got a I'm gonna buy this motorcycle and put around by myself and have these end moments but I'm not really participating beyond that creatively and I had to opt in because I thought that's the path forward into whatever days I have it's and if I choose not to it's a quantum thing but if you choose not to different limits different options Mm -hmm. or if you not knowing where it would lead but come forward um and see what happens and so I did that I'm doing you chose to buy back in I did and, um, you know, I, my sympathy to women that I dated because I'm not good at it, and they were all lovely and, and sympathetic, you know. And I bumped into Marita, and Marita told me, well, I'd be good for you, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I don't need anybody that's good for me. Yeah. Because I got my act together well. Yeah, anyways. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. I, didn't know, I didn't know what that meant, but I, I did overtly stay engaged with some kind of life. And I think it's a... It's subtly seductive to kind of pull up stakes and and find shelter mm-hmm. when you're put upon, but it might not. The perception sometimes is that it's a storm. You're under attack, or your life is. You know what's going to be left of life. If you got a day, there's something left of life. Is, is what I discover, and not every day is great. In in terms of we all have challenges that find us, but. Um, I think opting in, showing up for it, is mm. um, is a way to connect with actually what our Creator God is doing around us. 
Uh, otherwise, we're we're kind of offline, you know. And that's it's seductive, and I, I feel that I didn't really understand that. I feel it um, now because of my experience, and it gives me empathy. I think and ability to sympathize a little more than I think I'm a sympathetic person, but I, I think I understand some of the depth of feeling that people have navigated that I have not understood hmm. until my experiences. Man, I lo- that, qu- that quote that you just turned into a quote. If you have a day, you yeah. have a life. They, you have a future, you yeah, have hope with it. Yeah, uh, you do. Man, that resonates. Man, I, I've thought about that a lot, and it's something I just can't expect to understand over conversation and tea, awesome tea. Uh, but, <laughs> but like this thought of, I think about my relationship with Sarah and I've thought about that and I try to wrap my mind around, okay, like when you're with someone, you never think of the after someone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Until that's done. But I feel like that thought of choosing to buy back in yeah. is something, whether it's like a loss of a spouse or loss of like a loss of your past life. I don't know. Right. Like, I feel like people that's something get, anybody can resonate with. People lose their job before they retire or, yeah. or, uh, some company goes away or the industry, uh, yeah. falters or there's lots of ways that we experience loss in life that challenge, you know, challenge our core. It's where I think the big and maybe unanswerable spiritual questions, uh, are worthwhile. Hmm. Um, not because there's certainty that, that I can sell you, but because that exploration and that framework is a beneficial thing. If things are bigger than each of us, uh, it's good to kind of look, that, look at that sometimes. But um, I, I'm not, you know, um, I, I don't want to sound loopy like you can just use the power of, of positive thinking, which is very powerful and very beneficial, but it's not just that. Um, it, it's actually understanding that there's a finite, I have a degree in economics, right? There's yeah. a finite number of days. We don't know what it is. Yeah. And we can, we can mourn that or we can, um, you know, find value in it. I'd rather find value in it if I can. Because um, that makes me think of your tea comment of like the value and scarcity yeah. of the fact you could look at that and be bummed or you can look at it and be like, this tea we're drinking is a hundred times more valuable now. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could sell that tea you, you have, have to for start a couple importing hundred bucks. Bob's yeah. Java Hut <laughs> in Nairobi, Kenya tea. Yeah. There's a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even that great tea. This well, is great. The perception, it's like, yeah, it's the, the perception, perception of scarcity. Yeah. And is informs value. Okay, let's let's end with this. I want to be respectful of your time, but here's here's the thing that um, I want to ask, and you can take this any way you want. Whether you want to translate this question as present or in the past in the scenario with your wife, if it's mm. not too personal. Mm. Is there or was there like a mantra or thing you say to yourself in the moments where you don't feel like buying back in? Yeah, because it's, it's a, these are affirmative. How you live is deeply affected by what you affirm, I suspect. That's uh, true for me. And I don't mean like, you know, say, say magic words or something, but, but the, the things that you affirm and act on uh, contribute to the life that you experience and there are external forces and there are things that push upon us all the time but I realize that if I'm claiming to myself that I am uh, moving back and moving in, you know moving into a different life that my life is in a different format 
um, am I doing it or am I not doing it? You know, so mm-hmm. so I did some things that that were helpful, and and at the time there were some other things going on too that were very stressful, and it, you know things kind of move to their completion, but uh, uh, it. The, so I didn't think I was going to get remarried because why would I? And there are I have friends who are lovely. I'll say middle-aged uh, female friends and people that have known me for a long time. And I think they're so relieved that I married Marita because you know I, I, they don't have to worry about me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and they really, they really, you know, they look at their friends who are either oh, single by she's got to, yeah, she's yeah, she's either she's single, she's they're either yeah. divorced or they're single or whatever. Yeah. And and you know, and and here's this guy, and probably some people didn't know how um you know maybe uh, slightly unconventional mm-hmm. i am and and so that's a different i'm at a different story than some of my peers mm-hmm. in the way that i approach things we're the same generation yeah. but it's a different thing and i never expected to find somebody that would fit yeah. and um and i did and i realized that that wasn't because i was doing the right thing it just was um yeah i'll say it's god's grace marita you're god's grace uh and i would have been um I had to confront my own willingness to uh, not walk through those doors, you know, to not affirm and say, okay, there's a future with Marita. I had a fantastic um, blessing and and uh, 30 years of, of a great exploration with Anne. I can't do that anymore. It's not because of me and it's not because of her. It's because of externals. So now do I make a shrine out of that and live my life that way I could do that do I lean into life and continue to try to explore I do Marita comes across me and she just won't let go and it's good that she didn't because um, there's a you know life goes on Mm -hmm. and it's really an exquisite thing to share life with somebody that you as you know that somebody that you have um, that you can engage yeah, uh, and and that may be a really rare thing. And and do we get hit by lightning twice in life? Well, I have been. Was it my plan? No, but I was willing to show up in it. Mm-hmm. That's probably all I did. And I would recommend to people that experience loss to show up. Don't. Uh, uh, you can also revere the life that you had or what you lost. You can mourn it actively. You're not going to resolve it, but th- that is not the whole story. Mm. You know, it's it's just not. And as we live our lives in this culture and time, we're all going to keep losing stuff. And in those losses, there are um, moments of reinvention or of uh, reengagement that can happen too. But I didn't think I'd get remarried. So um, I had to look and say in in quantum language, which I need to improve. But do I? Make do I act in this direction and go this direction because it's going to affect these other present options mm-hmm. and variables. Yeah. Do and there's risk involved and you don't know where it's going. Yeah. And my advice to myself is take the risk and I did. We can't escape reinvention. Life demands reinvention. You we can't get out of here alive and in our life we are going to be put upon to reinvent. And we can sort of fly that thing if we're affirmative in it if we lean into it otherwise it's going to be done on us you mm. know and you can five minutes into a conversation you can tell some people especially as they get older um you can feel their disappointment about having to reinvent or their embrace of it and there's a 
you know, it's it's a little particle of of blessing in our creative self, I think, where we can embrace reinvention and exploration. I don't know. I I think we can. Um, uh, what Bruce was saying about anxiety, we we can um, understand it doesn't go away, mm-hmm. and so we can navigate with it yeah. and keep it, you know, standing out, distant, not guiding us. But you know, it, it's gonna it's a Greek chorus over there. You know, it doesn't go away, but it is, uh, and it's a part of the existing journey that we are in in our life. But um, it's. Um, it's not as debilitating or powerful as people find it to be if you don't mm. feed it, you know. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. <laughs> also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever. You, 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 you know the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you, podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast, nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right. That's it. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Say the most random thing you can think of. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. (laughs) Perfect.